Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody. Welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host in Studio A, here with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. All right, so got a couple things uh, going on here. Uh, here at Beit Tehillah, if you guys are here or if you're going to live stream this Saturday, uh, we've got a special treat. Pastor Tikva Kobo is going to be teaching uh, on the Ten Commandments. That's right, the Ten Commandments. And, uh, you know, she's awesome. We love hearing her. Um, so I encourage all of you guys that uh, are listening to see if you guys can live stream in and listen to her. A little change of pace for us. Uh, also, some of you guys listen to the podcast. We just want to give you a shout out uh, all the way to the great state of Arizona is Amanda and Daniel Delarosa. We just want to say we love you guys. We're thinking about you. We're praying for you. And we thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And we hope you guys are as encouraged to listen as we are to have you listening. Amen. That's that's good. We also have uh, Linda Postpacall's brother, uh, John Hackett, up in Maine. Ooh, the main event, the Frozen Chosen. That's the uh, that's the only thing to do is to listen to a podcast inside. Yeah, right now. Warm. Yeah, right now. So, John, we love you. We appreciate you, and uh, just keep the faith, brother. Yeah, and all you guys up in the northern states of the U.S. You know, it was thirty six degrees this morning, and I was cold. But then I'm looking, and I see that it's negative 36 in other parts of the country, and I'm just like, you know, I should probably stop complaining, you know? Yeah, anyway. I'm not into global warming. It's climate change. <laughs> Whatever, right? All right, so moving on, we are going to jump right into the tour portion here. This week's tour portion is called Mishpatim, which means ordinances in English, and it can be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 21 and verse 1, ending in chapter 24 and verse 18. Yeah, Mishpatim ordinances. Of course, you could also use the word judgments, but once again, uh, the book of Exodus is a fascinating book broken up into two parts. Uh, Just a little reminder, chapters 1 through 18 is about deliverance. Uh, Chapters 19 through 40 is about worship. Very interesting that this book has 40 chapters. 40 means testing. So what's happening in this book? Uh, God has bringing uh, bringing out his people that have a slave mentality, and he's going to evolve them and develop them into his people. Uh, so once again, uh, that's what's happening with all of us. He's helping to change our perspective and working on our paradigms every day. So once again, chapters 1 through 18 is about deliverance. Chapters 19 through 40 is worship. So they're married in Exodus 19. And, and of course, we're moving into uh, the treatment of servants. So Ryan's going to be reading Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, uh, in regard to the treatment of servants. So we're going to get to the great subject matter of this particular subject matter, which is treatment of servants. Yeah, which masters. is which is cool because yeah. there's a lot of misunderstanding. This is one of the cool parts about Torah. Where we're so actually, we'll read it, then we'll discuss it. We get in and we read it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so when we get in there and we read it, we get some clarity because then we read it for ourselves rather than listen to what Yeah, and let me says. encourage all of you, you know, as you take the scriptures literally, it's great, okay? But I want to encourage you as I get older and I've been in the Torah for 20 years, uh, the thing that I'm really looking for are the principles. What is the principle behind this commandment? What what could God be telling us? What is he trying to say? So, so once you develop that, you're going to get to know your Heavenly Father a lot better uh, than just, you know just disregarding it altogether. So once again, let's let's find the principles in the Torah portions. Amen. All right, so here's where we go. So uh, chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Now these are the judgments, or mishpatim, which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever." And if a man sell his daughter to be a maidservant, she shall not go out as the maidservants do. 
if she please not her master, who hath betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. To sell her unto a strange nation he shall have no power, seeing he hath dealt deceitfully with her. And if he have betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters. If he take him another wife, her food, raiment, uh, her food, her raiment, and her duty of marriage shall not be diminished. And if he do not these three unto her, then shall he, she go out free without money. So, what an interesting subject, you know. Some people would call this slavery, but uh, I, I tend to disagree. Uh, matter of fact, it's kind of looking at a situation of like an employee and an employer, uh, especially uh, in, in these regards. I'm going to turn it over to Ryan to share his perspective because he's in commerce. Uh, he, he understands uh, that part of it. So uh, we got to go back to the culture, the times, and, uh, and, and put the story together here and what God is asking us to do uh, in regards to this situation. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Immediately when I read this, um, and we had a great discussion on this last night in our small group study, that's a little plug for the small groups, Monday nights, 7 o'clock, be here or be square. Um, but uh, we had a cool discussion, and, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind are, you know, and call me a Pharisee, but like the exceptions to the rules. Like, where are the exceptions? So I was thinking, all right, so if I'm working, and he gives me a wife, and I bear children with this wife, and I want her. Do I have to say that I want to stay forever, or is there an option for me to either buy her out, like buy the time, whatever she has left? Does she have any time? Like, is there something where there's an extended time or not? Or You know, it's interesting how yeah. some of the things that are, are details that are left out. But here's the bottom line. Slavery in the United States... Uh, from the 15 and 1600s up to you know the 1800s uh, has a different connotation than the servants and slaves that we look at in the Bible. And you got to remember that the, the Israelites were once slaves. And so when God gives them ordinances, he's giving them ordinances in order to prevent them from putting other people in the same type of bondage that they were in. And more importantly, the, he also wanted to provide some form of a sustainable economic system for them in an agrarian society. So, for example, uh, I am an individual who owns some fields, and I need somebody to come and help me work the fields. Well, if we don't have some sort of a standardized currency throughout the known world at this point, then I have to figure out some way in order for us to uh, agree upon a way for us to help each other. And so if I provide you food and clothing and provide for all of your needs, a place to live, uh, and so so on and so forth, and then also a future to for you to get set up on your own, um, then you'll come and you'll work for me. And in every case, we know that people who uh, work for somebody else, the employer always has the better hand, right, over the employee, which is why here there's given a minimum standard of how you are to treat the people that serve you. Right. And so just like in the United States, we have a 40-hour work week. Well, where does that come from? Well, it comes from trying to work somebody 100 hours a week in a factory, and that's just not sustainable for that individual. And so they came up with overtime laws, child labor laws, a minimum standard, a minimum wage with which somebody has to be uh, compensated. The same is going on here. This is the minimum standard with the way that a master is to treat a servant, with the way an employer is to treat an employee. And I would venture to say, just like in our society today, if I'm looking to attract better servants, better employees, then maybe I provide better wages, or maybe I provide better benefits or health care or whatever the case may be. So when we're looking at this, this is us saying, look, this is the minimum standard. This is what we need. If somebody had better skills, they probably got more as a servant than they did if they were an unskilled servant. I mean, you know, you think about God's labor union. Yeah. God's got a labor union. He, he's he's going to dictate these 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 rules rules of engagement here. You know, it's interesting. It says, how long were the children of Israel, this is a question, how long were the children of Israel allowed to buy a Hebrew servant and keep him before letting him go free for nothing? So it's six years, Exodus chapter uh, 21, verse 2. So so once again, he's, he's buying a Hebrew servant, but he, he can only keep him for six years. So let's say the servant had debt or he doesn't have anything. He says, come on with me. I'll give you room and board. I'll take care of you. And then I'll let you go in six years. Right. And you know, this is not in this Torah portion, but later on we learned that when you let a servant go, 
right. after six years. You have to provide them an ability to sustain their lifestyle. I, and, and, I, and I think this is the thing about continuity and loyalty as well, you know, it, when it comes to the uh, uh, employee-employer relationship. So, so if he was married before becoming a servant, uh, he could leave with his wife. See, right. He could leave with his wife before becoming uh, married, before becoming a servant, you know. And then, of course, if the master had given the servant a wife and she bore him sons and daughters, they would have to stay if the servant left, you know. So it's kind of like a package deal, you know. It's very interesting how he's trying to keep continuity or something to keep it together. Yeah. So you know, if the master gives the servant a wife, you know, uh, she bears him sons and daughters, and they would have to stay if the servant left. Right. You know, so he created this family. He helped to keep this together. So it's just something to think about. Uh, some other dynamics as well. Well, and and again, you if know, you're looking at this as an economic system and a structure for the sustainability of of life and lifestyle at this time, just like we have jobs and employee and employer relations, then. It, you know, it's it's so funny. We were we also it came up the because of all the the laws that are being passed. You know, Iowa or Idaho, I forget which one it was, passes a law saying you can't have an abortion after a heartbeat, right? And so that's in direct contrast of you know all the way up until a baby is born in New York, you can now have a, a third trimester abortion, right? Depending on the circumstances, and so that that is in diabolical contrast. But in both cases, we're working on this assumption that a child is an inconvenience. Well, in an agrarian society, in this economic system, children are always a blessing. That's right. More people equals more hands helping, equals more more abundance, more prosperity, more capability to create wealth. You know, it, it, it encapsulates the master, you know, and we know that this is a type and shadow of God. I, I believe so. And, and in Exodus chapter 21, verses 5 and 6, it says, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master, of course, shall bring him unto the judges. He shall uh, also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Exodus chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. So there's a lot to play out here. The doorpost, the ear, the blood. You know, it's like he's always going to hear his master. He's going to obey his master. You know, uh, the ear and the thumb and the big toe were always right. anointed. So there's something to do with a little bit of blood, like a little bit of a covenant, a little sacrifice there, uh, shedding of blood. And in that regard, it's like a, a circumcision, the shedding of blood to perform the Abrahamic covenant. So as we as we move on for the sake of time... Oh, you know, come on. I got to see. We got more stuff. But you, you can have this. But let me just touch base on what the scriptures say, sure. and I'll let you interject. So yep. so once again, you know, just think about it, the perspective of this, and, and, and what's the principle here, you know? Uh, so a master could not sell his maidservant to whom he was betrothed to a strange nation. Wow. See the rights that you would get as an employee? A master could not sell his maidservant to whom he was betrothed to a strange nation. See, because her status would be changed. It's like Hagar was a maidservant of Sarah, but when she was elevated to wife status, she got the benefits. Right. And so did the son Isaac, I mean, uh, Ishmael. So once again, um, in in Exodus 21.9, if a master wanted to betroth the maidservant to his son, she was to be treated like a daughter. Again with the status. See, you're you're, you're being grafted in. You're, You're coming into the family line. You know, that is the most beautiful thing. Of course, if a master wants to take another wife, he must provide her with food, raiment, uh, which is clothing, and conjugal rights. So once again, he must fulfill these three obligations of food, raiment, and uh, intimate obligations, conjugal rights. You know, as we uh, ask this question in in closing here, and and Ryan's going to share a little bit more, but uh, why were these judgments given between a master and his servant? You know, please discuss. Um, I would like to answer that in regards to, you know, here are the, uh, here's the standard here are the rules of engagement. Uh, this is what is discussed. This is what God is asking of a master and a servant to work out and to do. And uh, we'll see a lot more in that regard. But that's a, uh, that's actually where we're at. So um, once again, uh, something to think about. This is not your typical slavery like the Civil War. This is a whole different mode of operation. It absolutely is. And so the, the two, two ideas here, uh, the first thing is that service is voluntary. Uh, so what happens is these people either made a poor decision and got arrested and the punishment is some form of service, just like we have, uh, community service today, uh, and, or this individual had a need and the way that they, uh, solved that need was by putting themselves into the service of somebody else by going and getting a job. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is when it comes to the women, uh, 
it's almost as if they're they're counting the women as lesser. But here's what's cool in this scenario. It says here that you can't take a second wife if taking on a second wife would diminish the provision that you've given to the first wife. And so what does that mean? It means that you have to be expanding, not, not just dividing the pie up into smaller pieces when you're taking on somebody else as, as a wife, because this is a partnership. We're bringing on somebody else to provide what? To provide more children. A man cannot provide children for himself. He has to have a wife in order to do that. And so when you're expanding, you're taking on these additional people into your household in order to help the productivity so that everybody increases and everybody benefits from the, uh, the extra hands that are put in. So again, this is an economic system. This is not slavery in the contemporary sense of the word. This is more of a employee-employer relations. I just want to make that clear because God does not condone slavery no, in no, the way that it happened not. in America, it just absolutely it just not. You know, it's, it, we're talking about the kingdom of God. So, uh, as we move into, uh, of course, Exodus chapter twenty-one, verses twelve through twenty-one, we're going to have laws against violence. Once again, laws against violence, and uh, you know, the uh, the penalty for murdering another person uh, is, of course, death. Uh, just touching base on on this subject matter of laws against violence. Uh, of course, the penalty for striking your parents or cursing your mother or father was death. Wow. Exodus chapter 21, verses 15 and 17. You know, you have to think about it like this. You, you have two choices when, it, when a judgment's rendered, innocent or guilty. But here's the thing. In some cases, you're excommunicated. You're thrown outside the Commonwealth of Israel. You're thrown outside the camp, you know. But in other cases... You're stoned to death. It's capital punishment. Right. You know, some people don't believe in capital punishment, but God does. You know, I'm just saying, let's sure. go back and, and look at this, you know. Now, and, and by the way, there's been no cases documented among Jewish historians that this ever took place, but I want to just share this with all of you. If if striking your parents or cursing your mother or father was death, then God takes that pretty serious. Yes. That judgment's pretty serious. So how are we treating our parents? Yeah. You know, we're seeing right now that the children are ruling over the parents. It's it's like the, the, the tables have churned. Sure. You know, and it's not a good thing. You know, the, it says the times will be so bad that women and children will rule over you. That's not divine order. Uh, and you'll see that in the scriptures. So, uh, you know, we, we can go over a lot more uh, laws against violence, but we're just bringing out certain examples in the store portion, which is, which is quite fascinating. Um, well, if you, you know, steal a man and sell him. The punishment is death. Right. If you steal a man and sell him, the punishment is death. What's that called? Human trafficking almost? That's right. That's death. You cannot do that. That's right. You know, think about it. There's no prison system in the Bible. Right. There's cities of refuge, mm-hmm. but there's no there's no prison system in the Bible. Not to say that, that prisons are not used today for, for whatever reason, but, and but when it, even it, Yeshua would say, you know, when I was in prison, you didn't come see me. Right. But that's, that's a man's... Um, idea. Yeah. And the and the the death penalty here is is used for premeditated murder and it makes right. a differentiation. Cuz you go to war, you're going to kill. Well, that and Soldiers. if you kill somebody in an accident and uh, if you kill somebody right. uh, in retribution um, for something else and basically you're exacting the 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 punishment yourself. Um, all of these things you would have to then run to a city of refuge and to stand trial. Right. And if you were found guilty at that point, you would still be put to death at that yeah, point. Yeah, and you know, so. going back to the, to the fifth commandment of honoring your mother and father, uh, it's the only commandment with a blessing that your life may be long upon the land. Right, that's know? the other side. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. So once again, if you honor your parents, you will live long in the land. You know, we have this little joke. <laughs> the parents would say, hey, I brought you into this world. I could take I you could out. I could take you out. Darn right. Uh, so once again, laws against violence. Moving on here. Uh, it says here in Exodus chapter... Uh, 21, and this is in regards to uh, to verses 23 through 25. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, uh, Yeshua quotes this. He does. I believe in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And let's discuss this, Ryan. Um, you know, Yeshua takes the Torah to a whole nother level. He sure does. And I just want to point out one example real quick before we get into this one. He says, if you look upon a woman and lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. That's right. He, he takes the Torah to a higher level. 
of understanding. So let's let's read Matthew five thirty eight and, and and let's get into this a little bit in this discussion. Yeah, and Matthew five is full of stuff, right? I mean, he goes through the the beatitudes and the similitudes. Then he says, "I'm not doing away with the law." And go, then go, you need to read verses thirty eight, I think, to forty two. Then he doubles down on murder, adultery, divorce, and then we get to this whole idea of retaliation. So he's doubling down. He's taking a a, a basic principle of the Torah and adding a higher level spiritual principle to it. And so here's what he says about the eye for an eye thing. He says. In verse 38, ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the, thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if a man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, Turn not thou away. Now, this this almost seems like it's in direct contrast with what was just said, right? But it's really not, because there's two things going on here. It's a maturity, too, though. Well, it is. Because you're not going to retaliate. One is from the perspective of the state, or of the government, or of the law, saying that if this happens, then there needs to be an equal consequence. And there are still consequences to our actions, even as believers today in the world. What I think Yeshua is saying here is that this is how we react on a personal level, interpersonally. It doesn't mean that the law is not eye for an eye. It means that I have the option to press charges or not to press charges. It means that I have the option to look at this from a forgiveness standpoint and to bring right. fruit in the kingdom of I God. I mean, the Torah is speaking of restitution. That's right. Like, you don't get away with anything. If you do a wrong, you need to make it right. That's what I see. But he's taking it to a whole other level. Well, he's taking the responsibility onto, onto you to further the kingdom. Through your actions. Like turn the other cheek. Wow. Exactly right. Because you're going to be the greater man. You're going to be because the you person. could punch them in the face, and is that going to bring that person to Yeshua? It's not. But it's kind of saying, though, if you do wrong, you got to make it right. I think that's what, what I'm seeing in the Torah. If you do a wrong, you got to make it right. Correct. That's that's the whole concept of restitution. So we're going to move on here. So uh, this is very interesting, uh, just to show you the difference between a servant and a master versus uh, a slavery of like from the Civil War. Uh a servant is allowed to leave his master if he loses an eye or a tooth because of an altercation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Exodus chapter 21, verses 26 and 27. You can't beat your servants. So, you know, uh, back in the times of the Civil War, the masters were whipping and beating their slaves. That's right. And they could not leave. Correct. You know, their, their backs were scarred. Well, they, they, they said that they were subhuman. In this case, these people right. are always considered human. Absolutely. So think about that, everyone. If, if the master has an altercation with a servant, knocks out a tooth, or they lose an eye... You know, which you brought harm to them bodily. Uh, they're allowed to leave. Praise God. They're allowed to leave. So it's it's interesting. You know, um, moving on here. Of course, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, in Exodus chapter twenty-two, verses one through twelve. We have this word called repayment, uh, which is of course restitution. But uh, Ryan's going to read Exodus chapter twenty-two, verses one through six. Once again, the public reading of scriptures are so important. Whatever you speak comes towards you. So let's look at this repayment in in verses 1 through 6 of Exodus 22. If a man shall steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. For he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. If a man shall cause a field or vineyard to be eaten, and shall put in his beast, and shall feed in and shall feed in, in another man's field, Of the best of his own field and of the best of his own vineyard shall he make restitution. If fire break out and catch in thorns, so that the stack of corn or the standing corn or the field be consumed therewith, he that kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. Wow. So let's just kind of go over this. This is very interesting, you know. Um, So, you know, if if a man uh, steals an ox, he's got to give back five oxen. Uh, If he steals a sheep... Uh, he has to give back four sheep for a sheep. Um, yep. A little cross-reference, which is kind of cool, if you if you want to write this down or, or reflect on it, look at it later. But in 
Second uh, Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, uh, Nathan the prophet shares a story to King David about a sheep being taken from a poor man, and David just was livid, and he knew that four sheep would have to be given in return. Of course, we know that Nathan the prophet was confronting David in his, uh, in his, uh, of course, in his e- events with, uh, with Bathsheba and with Uriah the Hittite being murdered, and he says, you are that man, you know, and of course, David repented. But it's an interesting storyline. Once again, 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 14, Nathan the prophet confronts him. But David, King David knew the Torah. He did. So as Nathan's telling the story about this man and this one little lamb, David knew what? That four lambs would have to be given back. And he even said he should be killed. The verdict was like, he should be killed. Right. Kind of reminds me of Judah and Tamar, you know. Let her be burned. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, she is more righteous yeah, than I. She is more righteous than I. You yeah. know? So don't, don't be so zealous to, to put somebody down hey, and judge listen, them. You're listen, you're gunning for somebody. You know, somebody's, somebody's gunning, gunning for, for you. you. That's right. So, of course, we have this uh, this question in our outline that we do every Monday night. Uh, in Exodus chapter 22, verses 5, 6, and 12, once again, what is the word used to describe paying people back for their property? Restitution. And usually it's 20%. Well, okay. It's the item plus twenty percent, but here we're talking about we're talking about damage to property. That's restitution if you borrow his donkey or borrow his stuff and then you accidentally break it. You right. made a good point with the barbecue grill, right? Right. That you gotta, you know, provide it plus a to thank a propane or whatever, right? That's right, if the uh, owner's not there. Right. But in these cases, uh, there's different things. If you go and you go all the way through and you sell that donk or ox or, or sheep or you kill it and eat it then you have to replace it five or four times. But if you're found, you're caught with it, and it's still alive, then you owe it back plus another one. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good point. That, that's a very, very good point. Uh, once again, uh, let's, let's move on to the laws of human relations. Uh, we have these civil laws here going on here. So laws of human relations, uh, Exodus chapter 22, verse 16 through uh, chapter 23, verse 9. Uh, so anyway, uh, here, here's a great question. Next is 22:16. If a man entices a maid who is not betrothed and lies with her, what is to happen? Well, he shall surely endow her to be his wife. Right. You know, it's interesting for those of you that are listening online. Uh, that first person that you were intimate with should be your wife. Yeah. That's what the Bible say. You know. And so as we reflect on that, most of us say, well, you know what? I didn't make her my wife. Yep. I didn't know that. So here's what's funny is... Um, so there you go. In, in our present day culture... Wow. We that's p- grace. We put the responsibility for virginity on young ladies. And it doesn't belong there in the biblical sense. Because in this case, it's saying that the young man or the man is responsible. That he is then he is then to take responsibility for his actions if he enticed her. Because this doesn't... This isn't a case of rape, which there's other... Um, other judgments given for that. God's this, like, okay, you laid with her, now you're going to marry her. This is in the case. That's what he's saying. Right, exactly right. Wow, that is the coolest thing, you know. That's what I, you know, I'm teaching my sons. This is what the Torah says. Yeah. <laughs> so you better make sure she's the right one. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, we have a question here that we're going to discuss, Ryan and I, real quickly here. But why is betrothal better than dating in regard to starting a marriage? You know, I can say that uh, basically dating sets you up for divorce. And, of course, betrothal sets you up for success. Uh, betrothal is with the intent to, of course, marry. You know, it's an espouse to be engaged. You know, and right now we are betrothed to Yeshua, to Jesus. We are betrothed to him, awaiting this consummation. But you can disqualify yourself. You know, you could be that, you know, wicked servant or whatever you didn't, you didn't do right with your talent or whatever it is. But, you know, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's not. So, you know, uh, I, I just want to share something that's interesting as well uh, in the Gallup poll Historically, the Gallup poll has measured and tracked the public's attitudes concerning political, social, and economic issues, including sensitive or controversial subjects. So I just want to throw out a few of these, um, these, these poll numbers out there to you. Uh, this is very interesting. Uh, do you think marriages between same-sex couples should or should not be recognized by the law as valid? with the same rights as traditional marriages. So we know that a marriage is defined as between a man and a woman, biblically speaking, godly speaking. God created the institution of marriage. But uh, this poll was taken between March 15th and the 17th of 1996, which is 23 years ago. 
and they're saying that uh, that they should have the same rights, 27%. Now, uh, and of course, uh, they they should not have the same rights was 68% 23 years ago that same-sex couples should or should not be recognized by the law as valid with the same rights as traditional marriages. Should not was 68% 23 years ago. Uh, Ryan, here, here are the numbers, um, of course, uh, May 4th through the 8th, 2016, which is uh, 20 years later, 2016. Notice there's a little flip-flop here. Uh, they should, they should be recognized 61% versus should not 37%. So the culture has changed. Oh, yeah. Just like among the church and Christianity. Listen, everyone, as Christians, those that have morals and values, we are a minority. Now, let me just share a few more of these statistics with you because you're going to find them very interesting. Remember, numbers don't lie. Here we go. Morally acceptable or morally wrong. How about sex between an unmarried man and woman? So intimate relations between two people that are not married. Is it morally acceptable? This is May 10th through the 14th, 2001. It's morally acceptable, 53%. Ooh, that's not good. Morally wrong, 42%. So they're saying that 53% of the people are saying it's morally acceptable. Premarital sex is okay. It's two adults, two consenting adults, whatever, and it's morally acceptable. Hey, it's 53%. your thing. Do what you want to do. I know, but but let's look at the statistics for um, uh, May 4th through the 8th, 2016, um, which would be what? Three years ago? Nine, 15 years later. Yeah. Morally acceptable, 67%. The yeah. number's increasing. Morally wrong, 30%. You know, I'm impressed that it's actually that low. Well, I mean, here it is. It's, it's a Gallup poll. I mean, yeah. there's trends and things. I mean, you know, numbers don't lie once sure. again. But but that's just something to think about. Now, it's kind of like I gave you the, the bad news, you know, the bad yeah. news, the bad news, you know. <laughs> but here's the good news. I love this in our culture. Check this out. Morally acceptable or morally wrong? How about married men and women having an affair? So two people are married, and they're going to have an affair. Is this morally acceptable? May 10th to the 14th in 2001, only 7% said it's morally acceptable. 89%, Ryan, said it's morally wrong. That's a praise report. Yeah. Two married people cannot have an affair. Right. It's morally wrong. It's morally wrong, 89%. So the last numbers are, which is, which is good, uh, to prove a point that God created, you know, uh, marriage to be holy in between two people. Um, basically, May 4th through the 8th, 2016, morally acceptable, the numbers bump up to 10%. But the morally wrong, 88%. Yeah. Even nature, even the culture teaches that marriage is sacred, that it's holy, that it's between two people, and there should not be a third party. Right. Okay. So think about it, you know, and, and, and once again, you know, we, we need to discuss that. Um, here at Bait to Healer, we practice betrothal, not right. dating. And uh, we're going to move on here. I just want to throw this out, if we can. Did you want to share something about the marriage thing? O only on the betrothal side, that if you guys want to go back and listen to either Episode 7 uh, with Pastor Russell and I, we were talking about the, the Torah portion, Kaye Sarah. We discussed betrothal on that, and he discussed the story of him and Dina. And then uh, also, uh, probably the best betrothal podcast we've done so far is Episode 68. If you go back and listen, that's Braden and Tally Waller. Uh, discussing their testimony Very story. Very good. Episode 68. Episode 68. And they have a great testimony when it comes to betrothal and understanding what betrothal is and what our stance as Beit Tehillah is about it. So I, there's plenty there, so we don't need to go into it today, but I want you guys right. to go and listen to that. Uh, once again, laws on human relations. Who's trying to destroy human relations between us and God but the occult? Fallen angels, familiar spirits, amen? That's right. Uh, as we switch gears and go to a different subject here, uh, it says in Exodus chapter 22, verse 18, plainly, in black and white, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Wow. You know, and all you're getting in understanding. So what's happening? The enemy's trying to muddy the waters. He's trying to whisper in our ears. There's more than one way to heaven. There's this, there's that. You know, and all these things. But the punishment for a witch is death. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the interesting thing. You know, what does the word occult mean? It means hidden. See, they're crafty, they're smart, they move in darkness, you know, in, in, in cloaked. So so I'm only sharing that because uh, within the occult, there's no atonement. You do not have to have atonement in the occult. That's right, and it's interesting. Because you're a god, you know. Yeah. 
That's right, yeah. Though it's interesting here, though, that it says you shall not suffer a witch to live. And that's in contrast to saying the penalty for other punishments, which I guess built in there is saying I can choose to forgive and to not exact certain punishments for certain crimes as the, as the harmed party or the injured party. And that's what Yeshua is saying in Matthew 5.38. But here it says, you shall not suffer a witch to live, which means, look, now it's a sin for you to allow this to continue and to go on. Why? Because this is a cancer that will spread. And, you know, and so once again, it all makes sense. Like, why is this thrown in here? Yeah. Because we we just got done talking about marriage. Yes. So what does the occult do? It messes up divine order. That's right. It messes up divine order. What do the scriptures say, in paraphrasing it, you know? The man looks to Christ, the woman looks to the man, the children look to the parents. It's divine order. Right. You know, all the way through, you know. Uh, once again, you are not to vex or oppress strangers, you know, when you go out in the public sector of life. Open the door for people. Be kind for people. P- you know, random acts of kindness. Pay it forward. Uh, do some interesting things, you know. Uh, it was funny. Um, uh, my son Josiah was 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 somewhere, and uh, uh, he allowed this lady to, to go ahead of him, and... Uh, she said, well, you know what? She goes, I'm going to buy your meal. You know? And so <laughs> awesome. like, he just told me the story. Like, he goes, well, I let this lady go ahead of me, you know, because she was in a hurry or something was going on. And I just said, well, we can go ahead of me. And she said, I'm going to I'm gonna buy your meal. I thought to him, yeah, you have favor. So once again, it works out with strangers. Uh, and, and just remember, you know, you live in the community, you know, uh, give a good impression, you know, be a good, good citizen. Um now, once again, uh, in regards to uh, the widow and the fatherless child, uh, in Exodus chapter 22, verses 22 through 24, uh, let me tell you what's going to happen to anyone who afflicts a widow or a fatherless child. The Lord will kill them with a sword. Boom. Uh, there's a judgment, you know, and it says you'll be, you know, uh, your wife will be a widow and your children will be fatherless because you did it to them. That's right. You know, so find out who the who the widows are in your congregation and take care of them. Uh, and, the, and actually those that are fatherless, you know, uh, Ryan and Ashley are foster parents, so they understand the fatherless child, and uh, he loves them. He cares for them, uh, the orphans. Uh, here's here's really something really good, except for Wall Street. Um, when you lend money to to his people, you cannot charge them interest. Oh my gosh, how many of you have paid so much interest on a credit card? Oh man, I could kick myself. Oof. Exodus twenty two uh, verse twenty five. You know, you are not to charge your brother interest. You know. Uh, and of course, uh, it goes on to say, we are commanded to give God our first fruits and our firstborn sons. Exodus chapter 22, verse 29, I'm a firstborn. I know the responsibilities uh, that come with that. And of course, my own son, Josiah, is a firstborn. And I told him, you know, the responsibilities on you, take care of your siblings, be responsible. So notice this real quick. I mean, verse 25 specifically says, if thou lend money to any of my people, so they have to be one of his people, right? That is poor by thee, so they got to be poor then you shall not charge them interest. So that, that begs the question, if you're not poor, are you able to charge no, interest I would say in a joint I would venture? Not, I would not charge them interest, no. Mm, interesting. Then you I, just don't lend them money, right? No, I don't know, but I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would just stick to the text. I would stick to the text. Uh, Ryan, why don't you read Exodus twenty two thirty one? I like how this is just thrown in there. It's really good to remember. Yep, no doubt. Here Exodus it is. Exodus twenty two thirty one. Once again, what are we discussing? What is the subject matter, everyone? Okay, what is it? It's actually... Uh, laws of human relations. All right, it says here in, uh, what is this, chapter 22, verse 31, And ye shall be holy men unto me, neither shall ye eat any flesh that is torn of beasts in the field, ye shall cast it to the dogs. Wow, he says, listen, I want you to be holy. Can't oh, and eat, by the way, don't eat roadkill. That, don't eat roadkill. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh. That raccoon, Oh, it's already swollen. I'm telling you right now, man. Throw it to the dogs. not good. Continuing on, we are <laughs> continuing on in, of course, what? Laws of human relations. Um, let's see here. I guess we'll just, we're not going to read anymore. We're going to, for the sake of time. But uh, here's some really good uh, instructions for us, commandments. We are not to raise a false report or be an unrighteous witness, Exodus 23.1. Right. Which is especially important when your justice system is based on the testimony of two and three witnesses. You know, I always, I always show this example, you know, here's a situation that I could put myself in. Let's say that somebody's at the bar and they're drunk and they call me, hey, pastor, that guy had too much to drink. Can you come and get me? You know, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't want him driving. So I run up to the bar as a pastor and I get him out of the bar and I'm, they're staggering a little bit. I'm trying to get him in my car and someone drives by and sees me. Ooh. 
Pastor was what at could the bar. Say, what could they say? Pastor was at the bar and he was stumbling what, drunk what out of the they, bar. Yeah, what could they say? And he was with a known I saw, drunkard. I saw Pastor Nick at the bar, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, he, and he was drunk and he was staggering. No, he was helping somebody that was probably drunk, but I'm saying that how we could twist the story. Oh, yeah. And then the worst part of it, Ryan, is we repeat it over social media. Oh. We spread it, but we don't have all the facts. But I thought... Fake news. But I thought... <laughs> Listen, we need the media. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against the media, but I'm for truth. No, we're against the fake news And I'm only bringing media. this out because right now, listen, innocent people have died from a false report. They couldn't even get a false report on Jesus, you know? But they ended up getting a they false report. They were trying. Report. Yeah, they got it. They were trying, but they, they really didn't succeed. They, they went through with it. You know, I, I, love this, I love this one in Exodus 23, 4. Why don't you read that one, Ryan? 23, 4. Now, listen, once again, do you think the Torah has been done away with? Has the law been done away with? Now, I'll, I want Ryan to read this commandment. This is a commandment. These are instructions, teachings and instructions. Read Exodus 23, 4, and tell me if it's uh, applicable for today. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. Now, finders those, keepers, finders, losers, keepers weepers. losers, weepers. Oh, no, no. That's, you know, you know how many Bibles I could have right now, Ryan, in this church? <laughs> I could have a Bible store. But you're supposed to give it back to the owner. Yeah. You just did the Torah. Wow. Wait, no, no, give no. Give somebody to- back their belongings. The Torah's done away with. That's the right with. thing to do. That's done away with. We can't do that. It's done That's away been with. done away with. Isn't, see how immature we are? Uh, and about. ignorant. You're supposed to give back another person's belongings, okay? Yep. Unless you really, really like it, then you can borrow it for life, right? Uh, no. Exodus 23.11 is, is, of course, referencing the land is to have rest and be still in the seventh year. The Shemitah. Uh, six days you can work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Mm. Now I'm going to turn this over to Ryan. Let him share, of course, about the three national feast days. And I'll interject a little bit on that as well. The three national feast days, Ryan. And so the big question is, what are the three national feast days that happen each year? And they are parties with the theme. That's My, my analogy here is that God is... God knows that during these harvest times in this agrarian society, we're going to be throwing these parties for harvest and for planting and all that, but He wants us to have themed parties. I mean, there may be a little more to it, but the first one is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, also known as Passover. The second one happens at the beginning of summer, which is the Feast of Harvest, also called Shavuot, and in Greek is called Pentecost. And the last one, which we are prophetically looking towards at this point, is the Feast of Ingathering, and which is called also tabernacles. And listen, there's eight feast days counting the Shabbat, but these are the three national feast days. So in a nutshell, think about it, everyone. This is God's redemptive plan. So if Jesus or Yeshua fulfilled the spring feasts, he will fulfill the fall feasts. So we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that Passover has truly happened. He brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And of course, if we move to 2000 years, uh, in the past, we know that Yeshua is our Lamb who took away the sin of the world. He's our Lamb. Uh, that has come to pass, and people are being born again every minute, every day. People are being born again. Uh, they're having their own Passover, so we can say that that has been, been that has been fulfilled and will be fulfilled. Uh, Feast of Harvest or Shavuot, Pentecost. What happened? We can say without a shadow of a doubt, the Torah was given in the third month, and of course. Also in Acts 2, we have the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit upon us, and we want to thank God for that, as that is actually happening right now. God's Holy Spirit is covering the earth, and people are getting filled with the Holy Spirit even as we speak right now. So we can say that that has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. Last but not least, Ryan, this is the most difficult part of it right now. It's called the in-gathering. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's so hard to keep people together in yeah. unity. You know, people come and go and go and come. And, you know, the back door is bigger than the front door. Ooh. Uh, and this is what I've seen in my own observation. We could probably be in a stadium by now, Beit Hill, a small stadium with all the people that have come and gone. Yeah. But, but that's not my problem. Uh, I'm supposed to drive the bus. Whoever gets on or gets off is, is up to them. And I'm only bringing this out, everyone, because it's so important that you get with a group in the last days and you do life together and you share life together and you share experiences together and you help and encourage one another because that truly is the Feast of Engathering. You know, don't be a runaway bride. And so we're going to move on for the sake of time. So just consider that, everyone. Ryan, we're talking 2,000 years ago. Two-thirds have been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. We're moving towards the last one-third, Ryan. 
which is in gathering. Why don't you want to be with people? So we got to get together. You know? Okay, um, I love this in Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 23. We're not going to read it for the sake of time, but I love this. God says an angel is going to go before you, <laughs> which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Yeshua, the Son of God. I mean, we don't have time to read that, but this is what the Lord says. I'm going to send an angel before you. Ryan, I believe that God is sending an angel before us in what we are doing here at Bait to Heal. And he wants us to listen to that angel. I believe that God has got his Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, and we are going to make it. We are going to make it, you know. And uh, Exodus 23, 25, you want to read that, Ryan? Here's a good promise for us. And it says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Don't settle for sickness, everyone. Take care of yourself. Do things in moderation, you know. Do a plant-based diet. Eat more veggie. Eat more salads, you know. Drink water. Go out and do a walk, you know. The other day, I, I, I went somewhere, and uh, I, I had 8,000 steps or something like no, that. No, you had like 12,000. Oh, 8 miles. I think I walked 8 miles. But no, anyway, a lot. just something to think about. And man, the next day, I was tired. Um I love what God's going to do here, you know. He's got our best interest in mind. When we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He goes before us. Ryan, what's going to happen? What, what insect is He going to use in Exodus 23-28 to drive out the Heavites, Canaanites, and the Heatites? The hornets. Man, the hornets. The, man, hornets. That sting is painful. Oh, yeah. No, it's no joke. The hornet. Oh, my goodness. He's going to drive them out. And I love this, too, in Exodus 23-32. Let's read this. Because Israel needs to take this into consideration. All right, chapter 23 and verse 32, it says, Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. Think of all these agreements that Israel's made, the Oslo Agreement, Oof. or the Y Accord. You know, land for peace doesn't work, folks. It's not worked. They give up Gaza, what do they get? Rockets, Katusha rockets. It's 4th of July every day, you know. Uh, so it doesn't work. Thou shalt make no covenant with them nor with their gods. I mean, it's right there. Don't do it. Of course, we know that Israel's government is secular. We understand all that. Going into Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 11. Of course, uh, chapter 24 is going to be the concluding chapter for Mishpatim. But uh, we have, of course, two different offerings that the young men of Israel presented before the Lord. They were burnt offerings and peace offerings after the marriage covenant, Ryan. That's right. Why? The burnt offering is totally consumed, but Ryan, the peace offering is it, like a party. It's barbecue. It's a celebration yeah. after the marriage. You get to eat of the peace offerings. Israel gets to eat. There's always a meal after the wedding. It's the consummation, the celebration phase. And, and so Moses is going to sprinkle blood on the people. And, uh, and we can see this, you know, uh, going back to, to even, even the theophany, uh, an angel will go before the people. Uh, we know that um, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders uh, drank and ate in the Lord's presence. Man, you know what I was thinking? I bet that party was off the chain. I bet the food was amazing. I mean, I'm just saying that it says that they... they and you can't they, beat the entertainment. They saw the God of Israel. So That's it was right. a theophany. But no. it says no one has seen the face of God. But they said that they saw God. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to try to lessen that. I mean, yeah. he, he was a theophany. He showed up somehow, some way. It's Yeshua. I mean, it is awesome. So think about that, everyone. Uh, let's look at Exodus 24, 12. Let's read that one. Uh, that'll be our final verse that we'll read, and, and this is kind of it in a nutshell. Now that this marriage is being consummated, the blood's on the people, all that you say to do, we will do. Now let's get busy. Yep, and here's what it says. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stones and a law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. Wow. So who wrote the Torah? The finger of God. That's right. The finger of God. And what? Teach them, teach them, teachings and instructions, you know. Right. Uh, finishing up here, Joshua was the minister to Moses. What tribe was Joshua from? Ephraim. Ephraim, the Ephraimites, those that are coming out of the nations that are not Jewish. The nations, people are coming out of the nations. And Torah is written on their minds and their hearts. And, uh, of course, Moses know, knows the, the power of delegation. He learned that from his father-in-law. Before going up the mount, he puts Aaron and her in charge. Uh, that's Exodus 24, 14. So once again, the power of delegation, you have to have leadership. Uh, and for six days, the glory of God covered Mount Sinai. 
So think about the bullet points. Think about the uh, chain of events that have that have happened here. Well, why uh, six days and not seven? Just amazing. So for six days, the glory of God covered Mount Sinai. Uh, and then on the seventh day, the glory of the Lord abode. So the Lord rested on the seventh day. It's good, you know. Still, so, like it, so, it abode. so, so on he, the seventh he's, day it abode. Creation cr- begins the the weekly Sabbath, and still at this point, he's the Lord Himself is still keeping the Sabbath. That's awesome. On the seventh day, the glory of the Lord abode. Come on. And of course, Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Forty is testing. Uh, you know, uh, and so once again, Mishpatim, a uh, lot of good commandments in here, you know, ask the Holy Spirit how it's relevant for today, you know, and uh, of course we uh, continue to do this at the end of every outline on Monday nights. What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Mishpatim or ordinances from a consensus of the group, Ryan? What, what do you have from your group that you would like to expound on in closing here? Um, so the first point main points. was that the, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, does not condone slavery in the contemporary sense of the word, but rather he provided us with an economic system with which people who both have needs could could work together towards the the satisfaction of those needs. So it's not slavery; it's economical. It's it's a, it's employer employee. I mean, it is employer, what we have. Employer employee number one. It, there's there's just different details That's a main involved. Point there. Right. Gotcha. Okay. What's your second point? My second like point was that uh, God is a God of order. Uh, he cares about the little things. And he gives us simple and direct instructions. And we try to overcomplicate it and mess it up by adding our own opinion. Hey, you know what I think? Uh, and it's better if we just take God's word for it and do it his way, because that's where we receive the blessing. Obedience brings the blessing. And that's to, to bring us to a place of fruition. So like I said, the two main points, that's very good. You know, uh, It's an employer-employee relationship uh, in God's kingdom. Uh, number two, I would say to, to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbors, love yourself. And that's about respecting one another, respecting God. And of course, if you bring harm to somebody, have restitution. So some main points to be made uh, today in the Torah portion. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Once again, remember that the Torah uh, is eternal. It's the mind of God, and it's coming back. Uh, It's coming back, and the word of the Lord will come from Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Wow, I'll tell you what. So uh, what a great Torah portion, uh, Mishpatim ordinances. Uh, I hope you guys go back and read this for yourselves so that you can kind of dig in and, and find the questions that you have. There's a lot of misconceptions about this Torah portion because people just don't read it for themselves. And so um, we love you guys. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, we want to hear from you. Uh, again, this is uh, my email. Uh, is ryan at twopraise.net. You can call the office here at 813 654 2222. Uh, and you can also live stream our services at one o'clock every Saturday uh, at twopraise.net and all of our social media platforms. And so uh, we love you guys. We thank you for listening. Have a great week.